0: Hello and welcome to the Scripts and Subscribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fuganaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, ScriptsAndScribes.com. But first, we've got on a talented comedy TV writer and producer who cut his teeth on a plethora of popular shows on Nickelodeon such as Drake and Josh, All That, and Zoey 101, before joining the hit CBS comedy Big Bang Theory, where he's currently the supervising producer. In addition to his television work, his credentials include being named Employee of the Month at the Burger King and Lake Brankankama, New York, in 1989, and his official nickname is The A-Train. Welcome to the show, Anthony Great to be welcome. here. Hello. Um, so first things first, we always sure. ask, um, what made you first want to work in the entertainment industry? What sort of inspired you to say I want to be a TV film writer and then
1: how did you get your start? Sure, well I didn't necessarily start off wanting to be a TV writer or even a feature writer. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a writer of some kind and I mm-hmm. didn't know what form that would take. Uh, but in high school I wrote for the school newspaper as a sports reporter and I went away to college wanting to become a sports writer. Um, and I remember I had gotten into Syracuse University and was all excited to go to their new house program until I saw how expensive it was. So I wound up going to a state school in North Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and uh, got a little bored with sports writing uh, early on. I found it a little kind of bland and repertorial, so I wanted to try something a little bit more um, uh, creative. And I got a job out of college working for my dad's company as a copywriting intern. He worked for Publishers Clearinghouse, and he was a graphic designer there. And they created all of the mailings to, you might have won $10 million, (laughs) you know, those kind of things. And uh, they were selling magazines. So I got to start writing brochures, selling Cat Fancy magazine and and people, yeah. Uh, How old were you at that time? I was, it was an internship, so I was 19. It was between my uh, sophomore and junior year. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated Carolina in 95. And while I was there, I did some work on the student television station. Uh, they had a kind of a late night variety type of show and I wrote some sketches and other things for that. And I got a little bit of the bug but still wasn't necessarily looking to get into it. Um, and then when I moved back to New York and started working again for Publishers Clearinghouse, uh, I met up with a friend named Steve Malaro who was a graphic designer at the time and he and a mutual friend of ours started a comedy website, it was called Step Magazine and it was a Very much like the comedy zines of the late 80s and early 90s. Sort of like Army Man, but not nearly as good, of course. Uh, But we got some attention from that. And uh, Steve went on to work at Nickelodeon.com producing games and content. And he would hire me to write stuff for the game supporting the shows on Nickelodeon. Oh, And uh, while he was there, he was working for a woman named Lisa Lillian, who at the time was dating Dan Schneider, who created... A ton of Nickelodeon good League burger, shows. And yeah. Shows. yeah. And he was uh, also I knew him. Uh, I was very excited because I knew him from Head of the Class, right? Classic eighty six sitcom, yeah. Um, and he was looking for writers for uh, the reboot of all that, uh, which was non guild at the time, so they needed non guild writers. Uh, and Steve said, "Wanted to take a chance on my friend Anthony." Uh, so I had to write up a bunch of spec uh, sketches for the show. So mm-hmm. I watched. A series of the shows and came up with a bunch of sketch ideas and Dan liked them and he passed them on to the network and I quit my job in New York on a Friday and started work uh, at Nick on Sunset that Monday. Wow! Uh, and luckily Steve was already out in California and he set me up with an apartment in his building unfurnished so right. I was staying on an air mattress trying to come up with kids sketch ideas <laughs> for the first <laughs> month. But uh, interestingly enough, in that apartment uh, two floors down lived Josh Peck, who I would later. Come to work with on Drake and Josh. Yeah, he yeah. and Josh. Yeah. So you got started yeah. working at Nickelodeon
0: in this kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, circuitous yes. journey. Sure. Um, each step along the way, I'm sure, learning more about professional writing. Absolutely. And specifically, you know, working for television, obviously, sure. from writing pamphlets and brochures yeah. to writing TV is completely different animal.
1: But there there were some transferable skills and I'm sure, sure. No, absolutely. But, um, you know, one of the things about writing advertising, especially junk mail, if you will, right. is that you have to use an economy of words and get the point across quickly. And things like pointing the joke, like when we're writing a, a, a joke and we want the funniest part at the end, right? that is an advertising principle, writing the, the, the key word at the end of the sentence right. just to kind of punch it and pop it. So that was... All very similar instincts that you can pick up right. from the two things, yeah.
0: So your your first actual uh, comedy writing experience... Was writing... <laughs> was uh, writing... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Publishers cutting out... The yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that has to go in your bio somewhere. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> um, we were talking earlier. Yeah. I was talking with Craig Doyle, who uh, was writing... Who most recently wrote for The Great Indoors. He and I were just talking about s- sitcoms in terms mm-hmm. of multicam versus single cam and... How you know with the office and with Modern Family, it sort of transitioned from being a, a many multicams to a lot fewer, sure, and going sure. much more single cam, uh, and how it could be you know cyclical. You know, at yeah, some point it'll come course. back around, with especially with the success of Big Bang sure. Theory and all the um, stuff on CBS. Yeah. Um, but we had mentioned that a, a, a lot of writers from classic. Multicam sitcoms because it is a specific skill set very much so. uh are now working you know on nickelodeon sure, type shows sure. uh, and you've sort of gone the opposite yeah. direction what have you learned in, in your original uh, work starting work for nickelodeon, nickelodeon. If, yeah um how did that prepare you working for a show like a big network sitcom like big bang theory
1: well it, it prepared me for the collaborative nature of uh Television writing, sure. uh, specifically on a multi cam, because you know a lot of single cams and even many multiple cams will send writers off to write drafts. Right. And uh, on Big Bang, we do it a little bit differently, where we gang write everything. It's really? All, yeah. Wow. It's uh, all eight to ten writers in the room at the same time, and um, that was something at Nickelodeon we would do often. We would have. Not quite as big a room, maybe four or five writers, but we would often write together with Dan sort of leading the way. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it prepared me for that. Um, And it prepared me for the production week of the multi cam, which is, you know, table read. uh, Big Bang is a little bit different because we're a Wednesday through Tuesday show. So we table read on Wednesday, uh, have our first run through on Thursday, second run through on Friday, and then we pre shoot some stuff on Monday, stuff that can't be filmed in front of the audience logistically and then we'll do the audience show on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So it taught me about um, how to go through the process of seeing a scene through from writing it in the first draft to then hearing it at the table where the actors are sitting down. You get certain laughs that way, but then when you see it on, the, on its feet at a run through, certain jokes might work better that didn't work right. at the table read and vice versa. Right. So It's learning to trust certain jokes that just because they didn't get a laugh necessarily at the table read, they might need to be acted on its feet. And that, that was a big preparation that I learned at Nick.
0: Well, I mean, that brings up two quick questions that I sure. have. Um, the first being, um, if a joke works, for example, at a table read, yes. but not, you know... On its feet. On its feet, who makes the decision to... to let's go for it, or let's not?
1: Uh, the showrunner, uh, right. or whoever's running the writer's room at the right. time. Uh, the past few years, it's been Steve Malaro, mm-hmm. um, but he's moved over to um, The Young yeah, Sheldon, Sheldon Show, yeah. so he, he's still in a supervisory role, but uh, a guy named Steve Holland has taken over, who was an EP on Big Bang, and also came out of the Nickelodeon School, so oh, cool. as did Malaro, right. um, and those guys will decide based on how well we liked it in the room, and right. you know wh- whether it continues to work. Or. And if, if you're gang-writing an episode, who yes. gets credit for that episode? We do a rotating uh, credit, we, we're, we're kind of rare in that regard because right. we're not sending people off to drafts. So right, right. There's three story by credits and three play by credits on each episode. Oh, okay. And it's it's uh, usually rotating, but I think if you pitch the story, you'll tend to get the story by credit, mm-hmm. one of the story by credits, and those who contribute the most will probably get more. Yeah, yeah. right.
0: Yep. Not going off and writing your own draft, yeah. but being yeah. in, a, in a, a group setting for the entire draft, Sure for the entire season, mm-hmm. is is that more exhausting? It can be. Or um, less, because you can drift off other writers, but at the same time you don't get your break to just focus on
1: yourself. Exactly, your it's, a, it's, it's not natural for me because starting sure. off in advertising, my job was I would pitch an idea and then right. get an assignment and go off by myself, to sure. my desk or cubicle or whatever, and, and just write and be kind of zoned into my own schedule. And at Big Bang, it's like when the showrunner's ready to write. You better be ready to write. We're right. all in there together. Uh, so it, it, you're, you're playing to the rhythm of the room, basically. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, now, a lot of listeners are newer writers. Yeah. Um, how and when did you get your first agent or manager representation? Was it right away because you had landed a job working for Nickelodeon right away? And uh, all no. Of a no.
1: Okay. In fact, um, Because I got the job on my own at Nickelodeon, which is very lucky uh, that I had a friend like Steve Malaro and and, uh, very lucky that I got into the Dan Schneider camp, I sort of didn't need an agent in the beginning because I was going from one Dan show to the next, so we would do a season of all that and then stop down for two days and start (laughs) pre-production on Drake and Josh. And then Drake and Josh ended and we would do Zoe 101, uh, which was single cam actually, so there was a mix in there. But I didn't really see the need for an agent, and mm-hmm. just for purely financial reasons, I could save 10%. Sure. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. But also the, there was another thing at play, which is there's unfortunately a, sometimes a stigma attached to being a kid's writer, which I think is extremely unfair, sure. as we have three Nick, former Nickelodeon four former Nickelodeon writers now right, on right. our staff. Um, but for whatever reason, it's you're viewed as, oh, he just writes kids' television. So right. um, agents weren't necessarily looking to read uh nickelodeon writers and their samples so some of us some of my friends have gone through to smaller agents like uh smaller agencies but the the big caas and wmes and stuff weren't necessarily looking for that right uh so i didn't get an agent until my i had a writing partner named eric friedman who is now running a couple of disney shows and created a few and uh we got an agent Based on a feature spec we wrote. Okay. Yeah, he was at he was at Paradigm, mm-hmm. and uh, I was unrepresented, and they agreed to represent me uh, while we went out with this script. Okay. Yep. And then we shifted over to WWE briefly, but uh, then I was without representation for a little while when Eric and I stopped writing together, and after I got the Big Bang job again uh, on my own through friends, um, I got an agent at CAA.
0: Okay. Um, now through your being unrepresented to yeah. being represented, yeah, being sure. unrepresented to being represented again. Yeah. Um, what sort of advice would you have for those writers out there? What should they look for? What should what are like red flags for agents that you've without obviously naming names, but what are things that you right. saw that you think that uh, younger writers should pay attention to when they're looking? Sure. You know, how can they stand out? Those kinds
1: of things. I've heard this saying before and I think it's true. It's it's Go with the agent, not the agency. Right. And you will find people who truly respond to your material and your sensibility. Because that's a big thing, you know, depending on some agents are more hand-on creatively. But um, my agent right now is Elizabeth Newman at CAA, and she's mm. wonderful and and uh, very good at her job, but also trusts to be creatively and we have similar sensibilities, and I think that's a big key. Like sure. She responds to ideas I have, and whether she likes them or not, I know it's worth pursuing or not, you know? Mm-hmm. It's good to have that kind of relationship. Right. So I would say find someone who is excited about you as a writer, Right. Um, and not just what they can offer you as a generic client. You know? Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> are there any other things that you experienced that you think could help? You know, there's newer writers in terms of not just what to look for, but... Um, other things that you noticed when searching for an agent. Sure. Um, I mean, you were in a different position because at least you had to yeah, okay, professional work. It, I was so. a,
1: it was a little bit backwards for me, <laughs> right? Uh, right. And, and lucky, and I, and I don't want to minimize that. It was <laughs> I had a, a very lucky road in a lot of ways, right? Um, but I think you could also you could tend to look at what other clients they represent, and if you see people with similar sensibilities, and also see that they've had a relationship with these people from staff writer through right. EP, that's always a good sign, I think, stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Now, you write on The Big Bang Theory. Yes. And In season four. Since season four. Yeah. Right, and you're We're season just 10. Just started right? writing 11. 11, right. Yeah. Um, and you got picked up for two seasons. Congratulations yeah. about Thank that. You. Which is Thank awesome. You. That never happens. I know. It's yeah. really, really exciting. <laughs> but I wanted to know, Big Bang Theory, obviously, is a great comedy, very funny, mm-hmm. which... It's a challenge in and of itself sure. writing great comedy. Sure, but also there's a lot of of science and a lot of mm-hmm. you know really intelligent characters and, and, and goings on, as well as a lot of pop culture. Yes. How do you? Not saying that you're not a physics genius, but how do you <laughs> how write? Do you know, I'm not? right exactly. I don't know that. <laughs> no, but I'm not, you know, oh, yeah, um, how do you write? Uh, characters that are smarter than yourself like how do you
1: do you, you, you know,
0: regarding especially abstract concepts because you know it's one thing to write a script about you know nuclear power plants where we can do all kinds of research but of course you know specifically um uh characters who delve into topics like that that you're not as well versed in just in general sure. being able to the abstractness of it right uh getting to the specificity it's like when you're not an expert at something you don't know what you don't know even right
1: how, other than having a consultant which was going to be the big answer okay. um well it's a little bit different for me because i came out in season four mm-hmm. it, so i came on and the characters were already pretty well established bill prady yeah. and chuck lori had created these characters a lot from bill's life as a computer programmer in uh new york and and he had met people like these guys and sort of fictionalized them but then when steve malaro took over we the, the characters took on another life also and and, but by then it was already established, so I didn't have to come up necessarily with characters that were smarter than me. Right. However, what I'll do is I'll read a lot of physics blogs and a lot of science uh, articles just to familiarize myself in general with what's going on in the mm-hmm. world. And then what we can do is I'll email David Salzberg, who is our science consultant. He's a professor at UCLA, a physics guy. and. Um, I will say, hey, I'm thinking about a story with this kind of dynamic based around this science that I saw in an article, and he'll say, he'll write me back and say, well, this science isn't very good, or you should focus on this maybe, and then we'll go back and forth about how we can dramatize it on the show, and then inevitably we'll go pitch the story to Steve or Chuck, and they'll say, did you talk to David? Yes, we did, right. and then um, and then we'll. For dialogue, for specific dialogue, sometimes we'll, Dirty Little Secret, we'll write Science to Come. Mm. <laughs> and David will help us with that. But we give we give him a general idea of what we want to say and, and where we want it to go. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, I know on Big Bang you write, like you just mentioned, sort of gang yes. style. Yes. But you've also written with a partner have, and yeah. also just feature stuff on the side. Yep. What's your writing process like? Like, where do you... Prefer to work when you're not in the writer's room when, you know, when you're old, on your own
1: doing something else um, My wife and I have been writing together on a screenplay recently so we like to write in the house because we have a three-year-old and <laughs> we would get up before my job at and at six in the morning and write for you know An hour right. and a half until Darby got up and that's our daughter and lately She's been waking up earlier and earlier. So it gets a little tougher right. uh, but yeah, we'll usually write at home occasionally we'll Go out to a restaurant like Islands, oh, and okay. I'll bring I'll bring a laptop and right. try not to be too obnoxious about it, and we'll we'll kick around ideas and occasionally write that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. But we often have to hire a babysitter. <laughs> right. For those hours, you know. Right. Because um, it's hard to write with a kid running around. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, that's usually the process for us. But oftentimes, when I write features with a partner, I like to have. Some time on my own with yeah, an idea sure. before just to sort of see what gets me excited about it. And then I'll go to my wife, or at the time I had to write a writing partner named Eric Friedman, and kind of pitch him what I am excited about and then get his feedback. And we'll kind of talk about what, and Courtney's now, and we'll talk about what works and what doesn't and what we're excited about him right, right from there.
0: Right. Writer's block. Yes. Is it a real thing? It and, is. And if it comes to you, how do you? overcome that hurdle?
1: So, uh, without getting into too much detail, yeah. I also have some issues with anxiety. Oh. Um, so I often c- confuse the two frequently. Okay. So when I'm very anxious, it will manifest itself in writer's block sometimes because uh, my mind is spinning or racing or whatever and it's hard to think of ideas. Or, right. You know. So what I'll do is uh, something called morning pages. Have you heard of The Artist's no. Way? No. The Artist's Way is a sort of self-help Book for artists and writers. And um, you take a, a, a notepad and a, a pen and you handwrite three freeform pages. And just whatever comes, you could work on a scene, you could work on an essay, you could write jokes, whatever just comes, and you just sort of write it out. And then that will often jar loose ideas for me. Um, other ways around it are. Uh, There are news aggregators online, Hmm. like Feedly I use a lot. And and I'll just read through and see if, are any stories in there interesting to me? And it doesn't even have to be the specifics of the stories, but a character dynamic within a story that that resonates with me, and I'll do that. Uh, Another kind of easy little trick is crossword puzzles. Sunday Times, Sunday Times Crossword covers so many different topics and people and interests, and it's a good way to kind of Jar loose something, you know?
0: right? Right. Yep. Expand your vocabulary. Yeah, I've been to a number of TV tapings, multicam mm-hmm. tapings, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that always struck me as amazing but insane at the same time yeah. was when you come up with jokes on the spot. You're like, right. oh, "That was good, but not good enough." There's something right. better here. And literally, the writers would like huddle together to come up with yeah. the right joke. Yeah. Um, can
1: you walk me through that process? It's, it's my least favorite part of the job. not I shouldn't say least favorite. I enjoy it. It's just very difficult. Sure. Especially for someone like me because I often, you know, kind of live my life in my own head, as many writers do. Um, and what I've learned to have to do in instances like that is sort of, and you're a video gamer, right? I've heard mm-hmm. you talk yeah. about it. Sort of switch from a third-person perspective to a first-person perspective. So, right. You know, you, you play these games where you're on this, you could see all the action in front of you. Sure. You don't really have that option when you're on set because there's right. the DJ is playing music, uh, the actors are waiting for you, the crowd is getting antsy, so right. you really have to just zero in and focus on that joke at right. that time, and um, it, it's it's a lot of pressure. Right, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun pressure, but it, it can be difficult. Right. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned obviously,
0: and you've worked with you know Chuck Lorre and Bill Prady right. and, and Steve Malaro and all these people. So, uh, I was going to ask you, who was your mentor? But it's clear that you've had a number of... I've had a bunch, yeah, I right. mean,
1: uh, clearly Steve Bellaro for a lot of it. Sure. Uh, you know, we were both friends and colleagues for a long time, but he's, he's really shepherded me through a lot of this. And, but I've learned a lot from Dan Schneider and Bill Brady and sure. all those guys you mentioned. can I was okay, go you, back to one thing? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, specifically, the, the beating jokes on the floor. Um, one thing you can do if you're a new writer on a multi-cam or even an experienced one Sure is sort of go through throughout the week. You see what jokes maybe Didn't work quite as well right. the camera run through and you could go ahead and th- there's usually a three-hour break between Camera run through and the show itself right you could sort of go through your script and say all right We're gonna need we're probably gonna need something there so let's right. go back and let me think of some possible setups and ways to get in and out of it that uh, can help you when it does come time sure. on the floor.
0: No, that's great, Yeah, that's great. Especially writing multi-cam with a live audience, it's yeah. always seemed much more like a yep. sport, which but I know you're very a big sports so. fan.
1: It's, it's, it's like being on the floor, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it feels very much more like you're, the lights are on, the yep. music's blaring. It feels, yeah, it feels like yep. you're on the court at
1: Madison Square Garden, much more and, and than you're really like you'll hear, They'll be blasting some Nelly song, maybe ten years ago. <laughs> we need a, a more current reference, but yeah, you're and you're trying to think of a, a story, and and there's lights. I mean, it, it is very much like being in an arena because yeah. all the lights and cameras and people waiting for you. And yeah,
0: yeah. the first time I went to a, a taping, I was like, is this a concert? What, what's it's, going on there?
1: Well, they try to give, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. They try to give the audience as much of an experience and, as they can. You yeah, know, and get the energy up. I don't know like, if you you were there, but um, at your taping, but there's a, usually a warm-up comic mm-hmm. who entertains the audience because you could be stopped down if we're struggling with a joke for yeah. 20 to 30 minutes sometimes, and, yeah. and worst case scenario, and they need to be entertained. Right, absolutely. So that's another thing. You hear the stream of commentary coming from... The warm-up comic while you're trying to think of jokes. It oh right, it could be a tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, tough thing. Yeah, yeah, almost like a a, a quarterback trying yeah. to uh, you know. That's like trying to drown
1: out the uh, Yeah, the crowd. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. So, but we don't have. I don't have jokes on my wrist like the. <laughs> you should. Yeah, like, yeah. You, yeah, you should. You could do that as a gift. Yeah, You'd open it
0: up. And, oh, we use this joke. Yep. Um, what are some of the shows or films or uh-huh. things that you have watched growing up that you think sort of influenced your Style right
1: well, right. big time I was into the multi cameras of the seventies, uh especially as you, you know when you're uh, i don't know if you remember this, but growing up in the eighties, if you were sick from school, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of t v on it was it, there, we didn't have cable, so it was right. like reruns of the Jeffersons, <laughs> welcome back Cotter okay. uh good times, uh all in the family those that's what I was fed and loved actually at the time right so, right yeah, i didn't mean, i Seven years old, I was watching <laughs> *Welcome Back, Kotter* and, and *The Jeffersons*. And, right, classic comedy. And just, f- I think being swept up in the rhythm and, and having it ingrained in me at a young age has really prepared me for for writing multicam. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, and and between multicam and single cam, yeah.
1: Like with
0: multicam, you really can't hide behind physical comedy. Not hide, but you can't really sh- have this not really physical comedy sure. involved. It's really yep. all about the jokes and the punchlines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Uh, what's the funniest joke you've ever heard or the funniest joke you've ever written or at least a joke that comes to mind if anything oh I
1: don't feel comfortable talking about that (laughs) but um, oh god that would be I'd have to let's go back to that okay (laughs) oh okay I'll I'll give you a joke that I don't know why my mind went here but um, Gary Shandling who used to write for tons of 70s yeah yeah he'd write for uh, uh, Welcome by Cotter, and I think WKRP, uh, he had a joke about how he and his wife, then I, this was in a stand-up act, not on the show, Right. Uh, last night my wife and I had sex for an hour and 15 minutes and it was the night we turned the clocks ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Which I think you know, that's a really good joke. Yeah. And, uh, and funnily enough, I was watching an episode of Freaks and Geeks several years later and uh, the Martin Starr character, there's a great sequence where he discovers... Gary Shandling, I think on The Tonight Show, or it might have been another talk show at the time, where he's just watching his stand-up right. and laughing so hard because it was like nothing he had ever seen. And that was a similar experience I had to seeing him do stand-up. I got that. Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. What show of any show in history would you have liked to have worked on? Seinfeld. And why? Okay. And why in particular Seinfeld? Um,
1: just coming from New York, it had such a sensibility, like people I knew, my... my Dad reminds me so much of George scandal sometimes. It's, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, like the aunts in my family were George's mom. It was it's, nice. it was a very uh, relatable thing for me. Even though, you know, when I was watching it, I wasn't living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan making a lot of money or anything. But it, right. it, it, it resonated with me. Sure. That kind of style of humor. But another show I would have loved to have written on was All in the Family. Okay. Because I, I feel like it was, it, it, it took chances. Right. Um, but still kept its heart, uh, you know, it, it went for some shocking jokes, but also kept the characters in a way that you, you were sympathetic to them. Even when Archie was saying the worst stuff you wouldn't want to hear, right. there was something uh, heartfelt about him. Yeah. Right. Now, writing for Network
0: yeah. is obviously high profile, um, it's obviously well paid. Yeah. Do you find it restrictive at all? I mean, or, or I shouldn't say, do you personally find it restrictive? But right. no, hear what you're saying. What are sort of the the restrictions or, or the rules? Is it you know a specific?
1: Well, I think we we try to police ourselves a little bit sure. in the sense that we're trying to you know it's broadcast, it's right. not narrowcast, so you're trying to reach as many absolutely uh, segments of the population as possible. So mm-hmm. we're we're not going to do a lot of what you hear in the writers' room called one percenters. where only one percent of the audience is going to get it. We try right. to make a joke that you know, even my aunt Fran will get, and my uh, cousin, my hip cousin, whatever. So, right. you know, you try to reach everyone. And it's, it's interestingly enough, with a show like Big Bang, which deals so frequently in pop culture and comic book universes, mm-hmm. we all read that stuff, so we have to kind of keep from going too deep with oh, the references. Right, gotcha. So, like, we might want to make a joke about Nightwing, and, but, you right. know, someone's aunt isn't going to get that or right. you know, my, my grandfather isn't going to know what who Nightwing is but right. he'll know Batman and Robin. Right, you got to switch to Robin. So yeah, right. you just, you, you kind of have to keep it a little bit uh, more broad and, right. uh, and reach more people that way, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of complaints often from comic book fans when sure. they watch Big Bang because I think they want it to be the deep references that they know and, and we, sometimes we do get that way but it, it, we try to be uh, appeal to more people.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Try to be a, yeah, a little more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good word I was going to ask you you're you're I know you're a big baseball fan. Yes, and sometimes right. we like to talk about things and I'm just writing uh see, and I, I thought about it specifically because I don't remember the player's name. I know he plays a, a rookie for the Dodgers, doesn't know who Seinfeld is. Oh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. That's yeah. who it is. Um have you ever been at a point where uh I don't know if you can talk about it specifically, but yeah. I've been in a room where people are making references to an older generation of, you know, like a, a Seinfeld type reference and you're just like, I have no idea well, who that is.
1: It's funny you say that. I think, um, no, because I'm a little on the older side of the staff because <laughs> okay. I'm 44. So, uh, you know, a lot of the references that are made, I tend to get. Sure. I think some of our younger writers might have a hard time sometimes with the, like, I, I, I've heard, uh, one of our writers say, I don't know any of those words you just said (laughs) (laughs) to to a reference about um, uh, Cotter or or WKRP. Right. And then we'll even go back and show them episodes of, I mean, we were watching uh, an episode of the Cosby show where Cosby is dancing with Sandman Sims and doing a a tap dance challenge. And it went on for like 12 minutes. Right. That doesn't compete for them that you'd have this one scene go on that long. Right. That's kind of what sitcoms were like more back then. You know? Right, right. So yeah, it's a it's a funny tr- finding the common vocabulary can be can sometimes be difficult. But uh, you know we we keep it inclusive, like you said. Right. Yep. Right. Oh, but uh, oh, yeah. Real quick, sorry. Uh, on this topic, I was not a huge Star Trek fan. Okay. Um, going into the show, so you know Bill Pradyer was a big Star Trek fan. Steve Malaro, Eric Kaplan, they all they talk this language that I don't necessarily understand. So I have been in situations where I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know, now I know what the Kobayashi Maru was, but right. it took me okay. a lot while to get that. But growing up, I was such a big sports fan that I was an outsider in that way. And I had my nerdy passion in rotisserie baseball, you know, and memorizing the lineups of the 78 Oakland A's or whatever it was sure. that, that I could relate to Girls didn't like that either. Right, <laughs> you know, that, that didn't exactly help me. So right. uh, yeah, I, I kind of had that in common with the guys on the show. And
0: for those people that are listening that are like, rotisserie baseball, I thought rotisserie was a chicken. That was fantasy baseball that was before fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I believe there was a restaurant in Manhattan called the Rotisserie, and that's where the guys would Okay, yeah, I saw, saw that documentary on ESPN. Yeah, really really interesting. But yeah, we would, um and you know kids that play fantasy sports now, you go online and you get your stats. We right. would have to wait for the statistics to be mailed to us every week in this big packet with, really? with yeah, how your team did for the week. And, okay. And you would, trades would be done over the phone. You would call someone. And, that's uh, kind of cool, yeah, though. Yeah. Like old school. Like yeah. actually,
0: that's, you know, how trades go. Closer play. to
1: yeah. general managers today. Right. right. yeah well, That's cool. Yeah.
0: Do you play fantasy baseball?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. How do and, you do? Uh, depends on the league. So I'm on, I have four leagues. Four? <laughs> four four. Wow. Two And my friends at work. Make fun of me because one of the leagues is called the dynasty format, uh-huh. So you keep your players. You keep your players, but you have a roster of um, twenty major leaguers, but then you have a roster of twenty-four minor leaguers.
0: So, so you're running a minor league system, and yeah, it's yes. kind of cool.
1: It's fun. It's really fun. Uh, my wife might disagree with you, but it's very fun. <laughs> and uh, I will like. Uh, on breaks at work, sometimes I'll have baseball prospectus and then mm-hmm. the baseball handbook and the prospect handbook, and right. I'm I'm talking to my friends about 19 year old kids in Fresno and right. how they can't hit the curveball. It's a it's a funny uh, funny thing, but it's fun for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean yeah. baseball is one of those things that you know on the surface you go to the game, you drink, eat, you just yep. you kind of play, but it's so intricate. It, I very you much. You know, so. it's really about the nuance yep. in baseball. Yep. I mean, the difference between you know somebody who is and you can see it even in 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 like Yasiel Puig. I mean, yeah. The 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 difference between being an All Star Hall of Fame um, slugger, right, and somebody who is toiling away in Double A yeah. is probably about an inch and a half.
1: Very. Yeah, very you know, minor margin of error. Which
0: yeah. is crazy to think about. Yep. But.
1: Yeah, anyway. and, and you know, it, it, uh, thankfully my wife comes from a, a family of sports fans as well. So my daughter, uh, her middle name is Shay after Shea Stadium. Oh, very, <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah. She insists that, that if we have another child, um, it will be, Fenway will be the middle, <laughs> middle name okay. of Because she's a big Red Sox fan, so. Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice. So it, that was a match made in heaven. It though. was, it really Perfect.
1: was. We bonded our, our first date, we bonded over our mutual love of Mad Men okay um and uh baseball yeah and billy joel of all people okay <laughs> who i i do not listen to anymore but at growing up on Long island it was sort of like yeah, you have to yeah yeah you had
0: to like, so if you're in jersey you listen to uh, uh Springsteen. spring yeah. or, or bonjour or you move out yeah. right <laughs> you exactly. leave the state writing a good joke uh-huh. um i've talked to other comedy writers and sort of Trying to distill it down, what makes right. a good joke? Obviously, it's a broad, you know, it's a broad question. But coming down to specificity, and and, and, and like you had mentioned before, in terms of appealing, you know, has to, you have yeah. to hit people yeah. with it. Because if they don't get it, it's yeah. not funny. Yeah. No matter if you think it's of funny, course. if people don't understand it, it's not well, funny.
1: that that is a, a thing that happens quite a bit. And I'm right. sorry to jump in, but no. we um we'll have jokes that kill us in the room. Right. I mean, we are laughing so hard, and sometimes they get thrown back by the audience, and it's just it was too specific or just didn't resonate with enough people, you know, right and that could be that could be depressing But that's the job, right? Yeah, but good. Uh, go ahead. No,
0: and so I was just gonna ask you in terms of like um, You had worked your way up from Copywriting yeah. and, and things like that. Yep Not that there's a, a well, actually, I don't know but training for writing good comedy other than working your way through the system like at what point did you go? You know, I'm pretty funny. I'm going to write comedy, or does it?
1: You know, I think I I realized it before I got into sitcom writing. It was more just a general funny right, way of writing skits and you yeah, read, and sketches for Nickelodeon the and, help, and stuff like that. And also writing the scene. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I could be funny, but it wasn't necessarily something I was very aware of. My right. my dad was a big comedy guy. He had a lot of stand-up albums growing up, okay. um, but he's more of like the two guys walk into a bar joke type of guy, right. and those don't appeal to me as much as uh, dialogue jokes or you know, jokes on the page, so sure. um, I had to learn, there, and there is a lot of learning, and I think early on I resisted the idea that it's a craft. Right. I I like romantically to think that being funny is pure magic, and you right. either have it or you don't. Sure. But I've learned over time that's so not the case. There, I mean, there's a certain amount of alchemy and magic to it, but right. a lot of it is, you know, oh, it helps if the joke subverts expectations in some way, or you know, right. you set someone up for one thing and go the other way. So, you know, there are there are uh, elements to it that can be learned. Okay.
0: We, this is a part where I'd like to ask you what you're reading, watching, playing, and sure. listening to. So, what are you reading?
1: I currently? just finished a biography of the band The Replacements called Trouble Boys. Okay. Uh, they were banned in the 80s. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. And yeah. uh, they were very talented, but uh, very sort of ramshackle and could not get it out of their own way. And uh, they influenced a lot of bands in the 90s, like uh, a lot of the grunge bands and a lot of like. Google Dolls bands like that, sure. and uh, it's a very tragic uh, biography, so I enjoyed that. Um, and I just finished also In the Garden of Beasts by Eric Larson. He wrote Devil in the White City, okay. have you heard yeah, of that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, I fell in love with Devil in the White City, yeah. and uh, which they're making into a movie, movie now. Yeah. Um, and I decided to check out uh, another book of his, which is about the American ambassador to Germany. At the rise of Nazism oh. and Hitler's rise. And it's, that doesn't sound very it, funny. It's no, 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 it's not funny. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, and so reading, that was the first one? Yeah, next one was watching. What are you watching? Watching, okay. Uh, so I think we had talked before, my wife and I are mainlining Noah Hawley stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've Fargo. done the first three seasons of Fargo, yeah. Legion, mm-hmm. um, which I've been so impressed by because I don't know what's going on half the time. Right. But it seems so sure of itself in a very comforting way to me. And it's just visually interesting. And I, I don't know, I, I really love it. Um, Comedy-wise, we just started BoJack Horseman okay. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mick, I've been enjoying. I've never seen that. Is that Caitlin good? Also, yeah Olsen, I, yeah. I, you know, I, for years I've been resisting watching other sitcoms just because I do it all day. And, sure. But I just think from a business standpoint, it makes sense to sure. watch. To watch more of them, but uh yeah, Fargo, uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, mm-hmm. We're big Vince Gilligan fans, yeah. and and uh, and I just went back because I had never watched it originally, the Twin Peaks. So I'm about eight episodes into the first. The season. original, but yeah, okay. Into the original Twin, Peaks. and then you're going to go on to the yeah the news, okay, yep. cool. So it's that game of staying off social media, right? Because you don't want to get things spoiled for you. Sure.
0: Uh, Although yep. it's it's tough to spoil, I think. A lot of Twin Peaks, oh, ju- sure, because it's difficult. so sort of out there. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to like sit and explain exactly Definitely. what's going on. Definitely,
1: yeah. yeah. But one thing that does get spoiled is the general feeling of the audience from watching it. So I'll that's think, oh, true. Oh, people really hated this episode, which can sometimes generate uh, excitement for it too. On my part, I sure. want to see what they were. saying. Yeah, later. what what is it about yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, playing, so, Do playing you play any games? Uh, yes.
1: You've uh, already mentioned your love of, of fantasy baseball. Yeah, so. You might have guessed, I'm playing MLB, the show, 2017. Oh, cool. And uh, my wife laughs at me because you could create players on mm-hmm, it. Yeah. So I've created a version of myself. You so have to, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's like paunchy, uh, graying beard. <laughs> and, uh, John Kruk. Yeah. yeah. Basic, well, yeah. hey, that's insulting. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, in his prime. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But not, not now. So... And what's great is if you play it over the course of a season, at the age of 44, my energy levels in the game go way down (laughs) as you get through the season, which is is, is fun. So it
0: parallels like when you're in the end of the season of uh, Big Bang Theory, you're just like,
1: I just want to go lay down. And uh, I recently got into Last of Us, which I love, the original one. Oh yeah, it's Um, great. uh, Some of the storytelling in video games is amazing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really impressed by what they're doing. And that game especially, it's a, it's a little tough with a young daughter because some of the storyline in the beginning can sure. be tricky, but uh, I like that. And the last games I really played a lot were like Bioshock. Okay. And uh, I liked some of the Resident Evil games uh, in the 90s, but then right. having a kid, I haven't been able to play quite as much lately. Right, especially yeah.
0: games like Bioshock. Yeah, and but last something
1: Month. like MLB The Show, I could play yeah. a game in 45 minutes and yeah. it's not too bad.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, they can even be in the room at the same time sleeping. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. my problem. Um, was listening and yeah, listening to. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, musically, um, I just got. This sounds lame. But I just got the Sergeant Pepper remaster. Okay. So it's the fiftieth anniversary, so they released a bunch of unreleased mixes of the album. But um, I've been listening to a band called Japan Droids. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Titus Andronicus. Uh, that
0: sounds like the the guy from. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Kimmy Schmidt.
1: Oh, that, that, Titus Andromedon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Titus Andromedon is like a sort of a post-punk band from New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, and I've also been listening to. Are you familiar with Bright Eyes? Yeah, for sure. And Connor Oberst. He, yeah. he had a new album that I'm really enjoying. And a band out of Texas called the Old 97s. Okay. Uh, they've been around forever, and I, I got their most recent album and enjoy it. But my my big listening passion is a radio show called The Best Show okay. out of New Jersey. Uh-huh. And it's a. Uh, it's every Tuesday night they do a live stream, but I they also post it as a podcast so I can parcel it out over the sure. week. And it's uh, this guy Tom Sharpling and he he describes it as three hours of fun music in Mayhem. Birth music in Mayhem. Oh, so <laughs> it's a it's a crazy show in a good way. I right. like Check it out if you ever get a chance. Cool. Really funny stuff. Lastly, do you
0: Have any advice or maybe I should ask, what is your advice to uh, aspiring screenwriters out there or is there anything else that you sort of wanted to share?
1: Uh, Yeah, write, write, write. It doesn't matter what form it is. Write for 10 minutes a day, write for two hours a day, whatever you can. Um, Write ideas that excite you and don't necessarily try to chase or serve the marketplace because I think that's a trick Mm -hmm. we often fall into where it's like, Oh, they want another zombie movie or and I don't think that leads to the most authentic sure uh, voice and vision of an idea right um, and I often fall in love with ideas that that I have or someone else has, and that's great, but the execution is so much more important. I'm learning as I get older that see it through, follow it all the way through, and don't be afraid to show it to people friend right. find um. I heard a term, it might have even been on your podcast, the ideal reader. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's Stephen King's term, where it's like someone who will um, tell you what they like up first, but then also be honest. Mm -hmm. And if you could find those people in your life, it's extremely helpful. And because I sat for years with spec scripts that I was just always tinkering with and polishing because I didn't want to show them to people. But you really need to learn to get a thick skin early on. Right. Best writing comes from rewriting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going through drafts and watching a change, and I see that every week on our show.
0: And Oh, and I just wanted to ask also, since we were talking about writers block before, uh, something I always like to ask is, how do you avoid procrastinating?
1: I set a couple of things. I, I uh, sort of set little goals for myself, and um, I'll try to wake up 15 minutes earlier and just write for a little while. And um, the other thing, I'm uh, sorry, I'm not giving you the best answer on here. No. But one, one good thing to do is set up some accountability where you say to a friend, I'm going to show you a draft of this by Thursday or next week and have them bug you about it. Right. You know, but, so you don't want to be in that situation where, like, oh, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Right. So. You can set up a little bit of accountability that way, yeah, and that helps. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yep. So then you're not just with a fluid schedule. Right. You have a specific deadline, yep. even if it's not, you know, yep. if, if it's a friend, but at least there is that sort of benchmark. Sure. That's great. Sure. Um, well, thank you for so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, I'm no problem. My pleasure. And
1: I, I, I've become a uh, fan of the podcast. I listened oh, to a bunch. And on the way here, I was coming from Burbank to Santa Monica, and I was listening to the Tim Dowling episode. Right. And I was getting furious at the ways on my phone because it kept interrupting the interview. So <laughs> I was getting angry. I had to shut it off because I wanted to hear what, what you guys were saying. Oh, so that's funny. It's been it's been my pleasure. It's a really fun, fun well, help. We'll have to podcast. have you back on again. have oh, a lot much more
0: stuff yeah. to talk about. Because um, I only had a handful of comedy guys okay. on. So, yeah. you know, it's love to pick your course, brain love to. more. Um, and be sure to follow Anthony on Twitter. It's at a-J-D-E-L-B. Yep. His page is going to be on the site, so be sure to check that out. Um,
1: yeah, I missed the boat with coming up with a clever Twitter name. I should have done a better job. <laughs>
0: I think you could change him <laughs> yeah, if you felt like good. it. Um,
1: uh, but yeah, I mean,
0: p- follow him on Twitter. He's he's really funny. Yeah, I, his, he's tweeting about uh, an empty nest <laughs> remake. <laughs> <It> which <was> pretty <laughs> yes. funny. Empty your nest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to give you... They can, they can go on and look okay. at it. Um, and if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there. Just at scriptscribes. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Anthony. Oh, thank
1: you.